Hi, welcome to our podcast. To learn more about Liverpool One Church, join us live, give financially and to get involved, head to liverpoolonechurch.com. We believe God wants to do great things in and through your life today. Enjoy this message. Hey Liverpool One Church, who has been listening to that song on Spotify this week? Who's downloaded it? Never want to miss a moment by one worship. I just love the lyrics there that we're singing. These gifts are not my own. I lay them down at your throne. I want to encourage you this morning because the more that you lay down what you have before Him, the more He picks it up and brings increase to your life. These gifts are not my own. Why don't we continue to right place God before we get into this morning's message with every head bowed and our eyes closed. Lord God, we come to You today, Lord, humble of heart. We come to You today, Lord, many of us wanting answers. Some of us are broken. Some of us are confused. Some of us are wanting to know what direction our next step is going to be in. All of us here, Lord, because we're wanting to know You to meet with you, God, and to understand some more of you. And I pray, I pray, Lord, by the only thing that separates us from any secular meeting is the power and the presence of Almighty God. So good God, would you come and do what only you can do and meet every individual where we are at this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen, amen. Go ahead and take your seats. I'm so glad to have you in the room today, or it's great that you're here in person. Um, or also, if you're tuning in, watching online, you're as much part of the Liverpool One Church family, and we love you guys also. But today, we start a brand new series in the life of church, and I always love the start of something new, because it's where we get to be excited for all that is to come, and I want to be able to set this series up for you. We've called it They Are Us, not Toys Are Us, but They Are Us. I don't know about you, but I spent many, many years of my life reading the Bible and not being able to make it relational or understandable to me in my life today. I did not understand how reading about, reading from ancient scriptures thousands of years ago, the stories and the principles and the things that were in the Bible, I did not know how does that relate to me in the Western world in the 21st century doing life where I am. But actually, what I began to understand the more I studied the Word of God is that in the Word of God, they are us. Because there is nothing that a character in the Bible hasn't been through or lived through that you and I are yet to experience. We are much of one and the same. They knew what it was to experience loss and disappointment and sadness. They knew what it is to wrestle and wrangle with feelings of jealousy and envy and strife. They knew what it was to lose a loved one. They knew what it was to to be barren and not be able to 
um, conceived children. They knew what it was to lose friends. They knew what it was to go through difficulties. They knew what it was to go through financial crisis. They knew what it was to be sick. And they recorded in the Bible for a reason. Because God wants you to know what he did for them back then, he can still do for you today. To those who believe it is possible, it will be possible. So every week for the next four weeks, we are going to be taking a character out of the Bible and we're going to be looking at his or her life and what they experienced and what they went through. And hopefully we'll be able to help draw some parallels for your life today. And today I want to look at the subject of identity. Like, who are you? I wonder if I was to ask you who you are, how you would describe yourself. You know, the world, and by the world, I mean people in general, they identify us through what you do or what you've done. You are known by your career. You are known by your success. You are known by your achievements. Or you're known by your flaws and your failures. The world will describe your identity through your popularity. They will describe it through your position or your title. But this we know about the world. The world will change its opinions of you as the circumstances of life change around you because you won't always be working that job. The role may change. You won't always be a mum to those young kids because the children grow up and we grow old and life has a habit of changing. So though they talk about you one way this week, Should the circumstances of your life change, they may talk differently about you next week. Should you go through a divorce or should you lose the job or should you retire or resign or fall out of the line that they think you ought to be in, their opinion of you will change. So if your identity does not have an anchor outside of what you do, then who are you when you can no longer do what you've always done? And you can end up, when we live like that, this, you can end up at the latter stages of your life with more questions and more insecurities than you had when you were in your teens and your 20s. You begin to reflect back and you're like, well, what was all that about? Like, I worked that career my whole life. But what, what, does, what does it matter now to me now? Like, who am I? God did not create you to do a something. He created you to be a someone. And God is intentional on you finding out who you were created to be so that I don't build up a false identity about me according to what has been done to me or what they say about me. 
Because that's how we have learned to form our identities. We take our past experiences of life, people that tell us where we failed or tell us our flaws or tell us where we're not great. You didn't pass this. You could never be that. And we forge an opinion, an identity, because all throughout the Bible, right, there is this repetitive message. It is in every single book of the Bible. It's there subliminally right throughout. God reaffirming his people's identity, who I created you to be. Now we all get to do things with our life and what we do with our life is good, but it does not define who you are. And so God created you to be a someone and throughout his, the, his word, he's constantly reaffirming your identity, who you really are. And he does this because it's not just other people who have an opinion about you. You have an opinion about you. You've decided who you are. You've decided what you're good at, what you're not good at. You've decided what your limits are. Proverbs 23.7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You are not a product of what other people have said about you. You are a product of what you believe about you. They may have said it, but what they say can't have a hold on you unless you take on board what they said and begin to believe it about yourself. And I find it really interesting that this scripture doesn't say as a man acts or as a man speaks, so he is. It simply says, as a man thinks about himself, that is who he will become. You are only ever going to become what you think about yourself. So my question is, do you know who you really are? I mean, could you describe yourself outside of your job or outside of the role you play in the family? Could you describe yourself You will never know who you really are. If you don't know who you really are, you're going to spend your whole life trying to become something you think you are. And that's when you get to the end of your life and there's nothing but frustration. God is the author and creator and the designer of you. And He designed you in such a way that you were to live a life in such a way. He put something within you and that is who you are. He made you to be a someone. If a boat is made to be a boat... You can't put it on the runway and get excited about how it's going to fly because it's not designed for flight. It's designed for water. It's not designed for the airways. It's designed to float. And sometimes that is the picture God sees when he looks at our life. He's just like, what are they doing? I did not create you to be that It looks wrong. It looks as crazy to God as it does sit in a boat on a runway and wanting it to fly. Some of the things and the choices that you make with your life. God says, I created you. So throughout the word of God, 
He's constantly reaffirming people and reminding them of their true identity. He says, you are. Anytime God says, you are in the Word of God, you better believe you are. He says, you are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. What does all that mean? It means that anytime anybody has tried to tell you you're flawed, you're failed. You will never succeed. You will never be. You will never become. You say, thank you very much for your words, but I'd rather believe what the Word of God says about me. I am above and not beneath. I am the head and not the tail. He calls you lenders and not borrowers. He says you're known and not forgotten. Anytime that you're feeling alone, anytime that you're feeling downcast or you're feeling abandoned, God says, I know you. No one else on the planet might know you exist, but I know you. So don't ever walk around going, nobody cares, eat all, nobody loves me. No, God says, I know you. I care. I love you. You are loved without condition. You are the apple of my eye. You're the object of my affection. It's all in the Word of God. This is who you are. You are a child of God when you can understand how the Father loves you and esteems you. You will begin to think very differently about you. He goes on to say, you are salt and light. What does that mean? Well, I put you on the earth so that there was an expression of you for such a time as this, so that you could bring salt to the earth and you could be the light of the earth. You can give people direction and understanding, but you will never give people direction and understanding if you don't first understand who you are. He says, you're more than conquerors. Oh, What does that mean? It says when you're up against a challenging situation, right, you can walk in victory because God has made you a conqueror. This is not just in the Bible for poetic gesture. God is saying throughout Scripture, this is who you are. He calls you royal. He calls you chosen. In fact, in 1 Peter 2 verse 9, it puts it like this. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into light. You have been taken out of darkness and into light. There is purpose on your life. In fact, the King James Version puts it like this. It says you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people belonging to him. He calls you peculiar. You're weird. And if you don't think you're weird, ask the person next to you, you're weird. And do you know why God called you peculiar? He called you peculiar because he knew you were never meant to fit into this world and the world would call you weird. I don't know if you've ever been criticised for being a follower of God, ever been called anything for going to church. You know, a Bible basher, a Jesus sandal wearer, whatever they want to call you. Weird, you need to just put your hands up and go, yes, amen, I'm glad you agree with the Word of God because God said you're never going to fit into this world. You're my peculiar people. 
set apart for me. So enjoy your peculiarness. It's part of your DNA. God knows the purpose he put in you. He knows the intentions he's given you. He created you with his DNA. Life's greatest achievement is not accumulating plenty. It is understanding your purpose and walking in your identity. The fact that God repeats himself time and time again through his word, reaffirming um, who you are, tells me that every generation has had identity issues. Like every generation has had identity issues. All the people in the Bible had identity identity issues. They believed things about themselves that weren't true to their true selves. They had insecurities. They were unsure. They were insecure. They didn't know they could win battles, defeat giants and have victory over the enemy. Because when we read the Word of God and when we read their stories, we're aware of the ending. But then when they were walking out in that battle or in that season of their life, they didn't know the ending and they were unsure of who they were. When God spoke to a young teenage boy called Jeremiah, he called him a prophet to the nations. You know why God called Jeremiah a prophet? Because he's like, I created you, I designed you, I know what I've put in you and I'm calling that prophet out of you. Jeremiah responds by saying, oh, sovereign Lord, I can't speak. I'm too young. And God responds to him, Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you to a prophet, as a prophet to the nations. That scripture tells me that before you became you, God had an identity and a purpose for you. God knew you before you became flesh. God knew you before he assigned you the parents that you were born to, before he decided on your eye colour or the texture of your hair. He already had a purpose and an identity for you. And then what he did was he wrapped flesh around his identity and around his purpose. And here you are. That's what that scripture means. God knew you before you were born. Listen to me. God doesn't recognise you by what you look like and he doesn't recognise you by the practical family you're in or the career path you're on. God recognises you through the identity that he put in you. If an angel in heaven is having a conversation with God about Emma Bryant... God is not going, hmm, five, five, blonde hair, green eyes, that Emma Bryant. No, no, no. God is going, Emma Bryant, you mean that fierce warrior woman? (laughs) You mean the one who was afraid of her own shadow for most of her life, but she went through an adversity and in the adversity she found her identity and Braveheart was born and now hundreds of women are coming to know God because of that. that Emma Bryant. Yeah, I know her. Because he recognises you through your purpose. Now, you might not have a platform. You might be saying, I don't even have a position. But let me tell you, God will pull your purpose out of you wherever you are. It's not about talking to the multitude. Who are you 
when you're talking to the one? Who are you when you are on your own facing your own battle? Do you know you're more than a conqueror? Do you know you're a child of the Most High God? Because if you can't overcome what you think about you, no platform will ever open up to you. God says you've got to get to know your true identity. Um, Okay. The whole story just about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and the serpent coming and and, uh, cajoling Eve into taking the fruit. And it was never about the fruit. It was all about undermining her identity, always. And um, she took the fruit and he... And he says to her, did God say you couldn't really take the fruit? And then he says to her, maybe God doesn't want you to be like him. And she pondered for a moment. And the only reason she took the fruit is that he blinded her to her true identity. Because in Genesis 1, God had made them in his image and in his likeness. She was already like God. So he just came to sabotage her identity. And from that moment when sin entered the world, God knew there would be a disconnect between what I think about me and what he thinks about me. And so he had it put throughout his scripture, your true identity. Never forget who you are, because that was the great... Do you know the serpent could have taken Adam and Eve out? He could have killed them. He could have done away with mankind altogether. But it's not his intention to take you out. If he can just blind you to the truth of who you really are, then you're, you're useless. Like, in his eyes, you're no threat to him. And so God puts this message throughout the Bible of who we really are. And you can read many, many characters in the Bible, you know, Gideon hiding in the wine press because he was so afraid. And God sent an angel to go, what, you're the mighty man of valor. What are you doing hiding? Zacchaeus, come down from the tree. What you hide, you're not who you think you are. I want to very quickly take a look at the life of Jacob. And Jacob and Esau were twins, two boys born um, to Rachel and Isaac. And Esau came out of the womb first. He was the firstborn. And Jacob followed immediately after. And Jacob was hanging on to Esau's heel. I mean, that poor mother. But, but Jacob's hanging on to Esau's heel as, as they came out of the womb. And that's why they named him Jacob, because the name Jacob in this context, in this culture, means planter, means deceiver. It, it, it means wrangler, it means betrayer of trust. And you are most welcome if your name is Jacob. We love you. I'm sure it means different in English. But in this context, this is what it means. So Esau was the firstborn, which meant he had an entitlement to what is known as a birthright. A birthright was very, very important um, in this period of time and culture because the birthright meant that the firstborn son would um, take on the father's blessing. The father would bless the firstborn son and it would mean that he would then inherit all of the father's wealth, all of the father's possessions, all of the anything that the father owned. In fact, he would take the father's place of prominence in the family when the father passed away. But what happened was Esau ended up selling his birthright to his younger brother, Jacob. Esau was a bit of a Bear Grylls. He was the hunter-gatherer and he'd been out like 
hunting for days and he came home absolutely famished. And Jacob was more the home economics boy. And he's like cooking in the kitchen and doing his thing. And uh, Esau smells the stew. And he's like, give me some food. I'm so hungry. I'm famished. I haven't eaten in days. And Jacob says to him, well, I'll give you the stew if you give me your birthright. And Esau did. And I read that story. And in that moment, both boys lost sight of their identity because Esau, in that moment, he compromised a long-term inheritance for a moment satisfaction. Do you know the surest way to lose sight of your identity is to lose sight of God's promises over your life for a quick fix now? And we do it all the time. We forget the promises of God and I'm going to do what feels good to me in the moment. I know it's against the will of God. I know it's against what God would say, but it's just one night. It's just one thing. It's just one more time. And we do not understand that we are cheating ourselves out of a lifelong inheritance. You see, when you get saved, faith, your Christian faith, it's not just your ticket to heaven. It's not just that one day you will go and be with Jesus. God wants to bless your life here on earth. And every time you compromise your inheritance and sell it short, you you negate those blessings here on earth. And so later Esau comes to his senses and realises what he's done. And the Bible says he grew to hate his brother. And in fact, their mother, Rachel, overheard Esau plotting to kill Jacob. And she goes to him and she's like, Jacob, you've got to get as far away from this family home as you possibly can. Just run and don't come back. So where we're going to pick the story up is 20 years later. 20 years have passed by. And uh, Jacob is married. He's got children. He's got 11 sons and And he's got other children and he's got manservants and maidservants. He's got cattle, countless cattle, which speaks about his wealth. He's a prominent man in the community. He has possessions and assets about him. And God speaks to him and tells him, I want you to return to your homeland. And Jacob is understandably nervous because he didn't have an iPhone. And so he could never like just reach out to his brother and make that connection. So it's been 20 years since they spoke to each other. And now God is saying to him, I want you to return home. And Jacob's like, I don't really want to have to go back there. And he begins to call to God for help. He says, back in that place, I have a reputation. Back in that place, they call me a supplanter. Back in that place, they call me a betrayer of trust. Back in that place, I'm hated for what I did because I cheated my brother out of his birthright. And, 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 and I don't really want to go back, but God, I'm calling on you for help. And that night, God visits Jacob. In Genesis 32, it shows us that God turned up in the form of a man. It's called the angel of God. He turned up in the form of a man and he begins to wrestle with Jacob. Like they get into this full-on fight. It's not exactly what you expect when you call on to God for help, is it? That all of a sudden this figure appears before you 
pounces on you. And then all of a sudden, you are wrestling. You know, this man appears to get into a physical fight. And partway through the fight, which lasted all night, partway through, Jacob realises, oh my gosh, this is the Lord that I'm wrestling with. This is the angel of God. And I read this. And then it says the fight continued. And I read this and I'm like, what were you thinking, Jacob? You can't wrestle God and win. Like, boom. Like, the moment you realise it was God, why did you not not fall prostrate on your face and surrender? But they carried on fighting. And for as foolish as this looks, I realise that it's actually something we do day after day after day. We wrestle with God. His will and my way. His will and my way. You know when you know it's wrong. (laughs) You know what's right, but you're going to do what's wrong anyway. That's you wrestling with God, his will and your way. And God could be talking to you about anything like that. When God wants to pull your character in line and you don't want to do it, it's his will wrestling with your way. When God's telling you to forgive and you want to still hold on to that bitterness or that anger, oh, guess what? It's a wrestle. It's his will and your way. Where every time God says to you, give and be generous and you want to keep tight hold, that's a wrestle. It's his will and it's your way. And when every time that God says to you, that relationship, it's not good for you. It's not taking you in the direction of my plans for you. There's a wrestle that goes on, his will and your way. You have to understand that God will allow you to struggle because he wants relationship with you, not dictatorship over you. And he will wrestle, he will allow you to wrestle. Because if God wanted to, he could just zap you and make you do whatever he wants you to do. But he wants relationship with you. So he gives you free will and free choice. But you will forever feel that wrestle because God is always fighting to pull you back in line. God is always fighting for his purpose to come right in your life. But every time you choose your own way, you are going to feel, you are going to feel the wrestle. Now, if you actually study this story correctly, what you will see is that Jacob was not actually fighting against God. He was fighting with God, and there is a big difference. If you actually study the text, the angel of the Lord was trying to break free away from Jacob, and Jacob wouldn't let him go. So Jacob hung onto him, and Jacob kept hold of him because he wanted to, he wanted God to bless him. He was saying, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Now, it kind of seems odd because on the outside, Jacob's life was blessed. Jacob had wealth. Jacob had prominence. Jacob had, you know, he was a figure in the community. Jacob had family and children and cattle and money. And like he looked blessed. But what he was struggling for, he was saying, God, I don't want to go back there unless you clear my reputation. God, I need you to bless me because I don't want to return there and be what they called me. God, I need you to bless me because I want them to see you in me. And some of you, you know what this looks like for your own life. You can be really successful on the outside. You're building a great career. You've got it all going on on one hand, but the family reminds you of the estate you grew up in and what you were like as a child on the other hand. And so you are one thing here, but you are called something else over here. You've got great children who are doing really, really well, but nobody is looking at the greatness of 
of the children because they're reminding you of the divorce you went through and who you really are, the single parent. And so you have blessings on the outside, but you're struggling with what they call you on the inside. But this wrestle that Jacob was doing is a type of wrestle that we need to do with God. He was like, I won't let you go, God, until you change my circumstances. I won't let you go, God, until you bless me. And some of you need to get hold of God and say, until this marriage is working, until this marriage is succeeding, until this marriage is glorifying you, I won't let go of you, God. I'm keeping hold of you, God. I'm going to wrestle with you, God, until I get a breakthrough and I see the promises of God in my life until these children come in line with the Word of God, until these kids are walking with God, until they've come free from their addiction and their, their, their way of life, God, I will hold on to you and I will wrestle with you and I will not let go. I'm holding on to your Word, God. I'm holding on to your Word. Some of us, we want to send a fleeting prayer up to God and expect Him to change everything. And God's looking for the wrestlers on the earth once more. Who is going to wrestle with me to find out what their identity is. He's like, I get a hold of the Word of God until this sickness has left my body. God, I will wrestle with you. I will wrestle till I see a breakthrough. I will wrestle till I get a good doctor's report. It's like, how much do you want the thing that you say you're praying for? So Jacob wrestles with the angel of God and dawn breaks and the angel says, you need to let me go. And Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. And at that point, the angel touched the hip socket on Jacob's, the top of Jacob's leg and, it, leg and it popped his hip out of the socket. In verse 27, the angel asks, what's your name? And he answers, my name is Jacob. That's what they call me. The angel of the Lord asked Jacob what his name was because he knew that out of the mouth, the heart speaks. And that and whatever a man thinketh in his heart, so he becomes. So Jacob's response was, I am a deceiver. I am a supplanter. I'm the one who betrays trust. It's what they labeled me. It's what they called me. It's what they named me. They named me Jacob. And we say it all the time. It's how I see myself. I see myself how they call me. I see myself how my ex-husband spoke about me. I see myself according to what that neighbor said about me. I still see myself as what that... Uh, school teacher said over me, I see myself according to what others have said about me. But if you only ever believe what others say about you, you will always believe the limitations in your life instead of believing the Word of God over your life because the limitless Word of God has different things to say over your life. But your life will remain small, capped and limited until you begin to believe what he says about you. A blessed life is not about what you have. A blessed life is knowing who you are. And this is where Jacob's struggle was. Jacob said, I know what I have, but I need to know who I really am. Who do you see me? Who do you see me as? So God sees you, all of you. Don't be deceived for one moment. God's not disillusioned when he looks at your life. He knows every wrong thought, wrong motive, every wrong spoken word. 
Every time you've deceived and connived and manipulated and tried to do things for your personal gain, there's nothing about you that God does not know. But God also knows the importance of naming you. So you will never hear God call you according to your sin. The world will call you according to what you've done, but God will only call you according to the purpose that he has put in you. So God says to Jacob in this text, you are not who you think you are. You're not who you think you are. You shall no longer be called Jacob, but from now on your name will be called Israel. And the name Israel means God prevails. God is more powerful. God is more superior. That is the, that is the name that you are going to walk under Jacob. And just to give you a little bit of history, this is where the nation of Israel began. It began with this one man, his 11, that became 12 sons, became the 12 tribes of Israel and it grew into a mighty nation. But it started with this one man. God popped Jacob's hip out and the Bible says that Jacob limped away from that fight. And I believe that he limped for the rest of his life. And I think it was a reminder that God says, it's just gonna remind you of the adversity that you went through to find your identity. Just remember that limp. And you might come through some stuff with a scar. You might come through some stuff with a limp. The divorce cost you, the sickness that you went through, the brokenness, the redundancy, the children that walked away from you, the parent that, that did wrong by you, that shouldn't have done the things they did to you. It's your limp. But through it, you found your identity because you're here today. Through it, through that adversity, you found who you really are. And I think God was showing Jacob that actually it's okay to go back there because that fighting warrior spirit, that, that wrestle in you to, to try and be the first one out of the room, that tenacious spirit to, to be the first and be the number one. God says, I put that in you, Jacob. They wrongly labeled you, but I put that in you because I knew there was a nation within you and I had to take you through something to get something out of you. And you see throughout the word of God that every time Israel, the nation, struggles with their identity, saying we're only grasshoppers in your sight, saying God's forgotten us, God's abandoned us. You see how God constantly reminds them, no, 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 because I took Jacob through something so that you could become something, so that you would have a fighting spirit, so that you would take territory, so that you would take ground, so that you would be overcomers. You are a holy nation, a royal priesthood. You're a peculiar people. You belong to me. This is who you are. And so, in closing, I just want to encourage you and say, your identity is not found in what you've done, but your true identity is who in who you're still yet to become. And it doesn't matter what age or stage of life you're at, you're still becoming the same God or the people that have labeled you as something, the same God says you're still to become someone. And when you can start to live according to what He has 
called you. And can I be honest? When you first start to walk in these principles, you feel stupid. It's true. You feel a bit big for your own boots. This is not prideful living, but the enemy will try to deceive you and disarm you and bring you down and make you small. The first time that you go and offer kindness to someone, show love to someone, give someone respect, the enemy will make you feel silly for doing it. But I'm telling you, the more that you rise in your spirit and become who God has called you to be, I promise you this, when you're living on the inside as the someone you're supposed to be, the something that you do with your life begins to increase. The something that you do with your life has a flourishing on it. It has God's hand of blessing on it. Don't ever get lost in your ways where you think, I need to better myself by do, 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 do. No. Become who He has called you to be and let Him walk you through your adversity. Fight for your life and find your true identity. Church, can we all stand this morning? Insecurity is a massive reality upon the earth today and we mask it and disguise it in so many ways. I think one of the greatest ways we use is social media because we want to make our our life look like something more than it is. We always want to be look like we're more than. But there is just something beautiful and instead of having your head in social media, instead of having your eyes fixated on Facebook. Get your eyes into his book. Find your true self. Get some I am's written down. Get it on post-it notes. Say it over yourself every day. Because as you speak it, you'll hear it. As you hear it, you'll believe it. As a man thinks in his heart about himself, I don't care what anybody has said about you. As you think about you, so you will become. Heavenly Father, for every family represented in this room, I pray, Father God, that you will open the eyes of their understanding, that, Father God, that they will begin to search for their true identity. I pray, Father God, that that in our searching, Lord, we'll get a hold of your word and we will refuse to let go till we have found who we truly are, that we will refuse to let go until we're living in the days that you've called us to live in. God, when you talk about our marriages and you talk about our children and you talk about our finances, God, we see that in your ways of wisdom, there's wealth and health and blessings in every area of our life. But God, the enemy is calm and scales have fallen over our eyes and we have become deceived to the reality of what you've called us to be. And so God, my prayer is that you will open our eyes and we will hang on to your word and we will diligently search the scriptures morning, noon and night. I'm going to search your word, God, until I get a breakthrough and I know you're blessing the areas of my life that I'm praying over. God, I pray, Lord, that you will help us to understand that you are a good God who wants nothing but good things for his children. 
And I pray, Lord, that we live out lives that are honouring and glorifying to your precious name. Amen. And I'm just going to pray one final prayer for anyone who does not yet know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. It's one prayer away. It will change your eternal destiny, but it also gives you access to live a blessed life. A life where you can access God and pray to God at any point in the time, day or night, wherever you are. And know that you're not journeying on your own. That actually you may be in this room today and call yourself fatherless, homeless. And you can leave here knowing that I have a father who loves me in a home where I belong. And so if that is you today, I want you to just repeat this prayer in your heart after me. Heavenly Father, I ask you to come into my heart today. I want to be known as a child of the Most High God. Forgive me for my sin. God, wipe my past clean. Today I call myself a Christian and I accept you as my King. In the name of Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you can take that message and apply it to your life. Also, don't forget to take a moment to subscribe, rate and review this podcast. To get connected or stay more connected to the life of Liverpool One Church and learn how you can join us live, visit liverpoolonechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us and we hope to see you again soon.